Today's episode is sponsored by Jonas Paul Eyewear. Stylish kids' glasses with an impact. Mercedes, I know you know about style and your babies are the coolest. You know it. So tell us how cute these glasses are. Okay, listen. It's so hard to find on-trend glasses for kids, and these are the cutest glasses I've seen. Yes. And have you ever used a home try-on kit for glasses? No, but it sounds super fun, and I feel like your kids get to play dress-up. We have Jonas Paul glasses, and this past year, Brooksy, my eight-year-old, needed glasses, so we got a home try-on kit from Jonas Paul. Brooksy loves looking good. He actually legit wore a bow tie all on his own for picture day. Having a kid at home was perfect for him. They sent us seven frames and he had a week to walk around in them and make his own opinion. And it was really nice to not have that quick, we have 10 minutes in a store and there's fluorescent lights and we need to decide feeling. When he picked his frame, we put our order in online and we shipped the box of trial glasses back with the free shipping label provided. Super easy. So you have Jonas Paul glasses at your house and you know what? So does Heather. Yeah, that's right. Mason has them. She's worn Jonas Paul glasses for a couple of years now. We all know that getting glasses to fit on our kids with Down syndrome can be difficult. There's a flatter nose bridge that our kids have and lower set ears and that can make getting glasses to fit a challenge. Here's the thing about Jonas Paul. Their nose pads are designed specifically for children's noses. They also have these unique adjustable tips that you can bend for a custom fit. So you can make it fit to your child's perfect little face. These glasses are so affordable. Half the price of most of the children's glasses out there. Plus, here's the best part. Every frame sold prevents childhood blindness in the developing world. It's so great. You know that Jonas Paul now sells glasses for teenagers and our kids are growing up. They're growing up fast and we are going to need those teenager sizes before we know it. For first time customers, Jonas Paul is offering 15% off. Use the promo code THELUCKYFEW at checkout. Visit their website, jonaspauleyewear.com to learn more. Hey friends, Heather here, and we have an exciting opportunity for you to join us as we continue this podcast and continue shifting the Down Syndrome narrative. We have started a Patreon page, and this is a way for our listeners to support us financially every month so that we can keep the podcast going. We have three different tiers between $10 and $100. So wherever you feel you can give monthly to help us support the podcast and to continue to shout the worth people with Down Syndrome as we shift the Down Syndrome narrative, you can head over to the Lucky Few podcast.com sign up for our patreon page and start giving today thank you so much hey friends welcome to another episode of the lucky few podcast where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with down syndrome this is heather mercedes and micah and today in honor of mother's day coming up we are going to be chatting all about motherhood about grief about down syndrome and so much more we have an amazing guest today her name is katie jameson I hope this is an episode that you share with all of your friends. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. All right, ladies. So... 
I think we're on day 795 of quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Something close. Something close to that. Um, and then we're going to be celebrating Mother's Day, but if we're normally with our moms, I don't think we're allowed to be with our moms. I don't know. The rules are all starting to get blurrier and blurrier. It is getting blurrier. It's getting gray. <laughs> what, what are we doing? How are you girls? First of all, give us a little quick update. Something. <laughs> I'm, we're doing, you know, doing pretty well over here. I, uh, I feel like I was just seeing on Instagram yesterday that so from some other people with dual diagnosis that their kids are seem to be learning and growing so quickly at home. And I thought that was mm. really interesting. Our friend, um, like I was looking at down with autism and oh, I think she was yeah. posting Tesney. that mm-hmm. and yeah, Tesney. And, um, and I was like, that, that's really ringing true to me. I feel like there's something about being home with ACE and we're in a good rhythm and um, working on the same things every day. And I feel like he's verbalizing a lot more and um, making some progress in some cool ways. So I don't know what the dealio is with that, but hmm. I'll take it. So that is so interesting. Yeah. I've a handful of people tell me the same thing, not with dual diagnosis, but who have also have children with Down syndrome. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, maybe huh. it's just like, I mean, I know for Ace that he, it can be overwhelming for him in a classroom with a lot of kids mm-hmm. and all the different options and the noise everywhere. And maybe it is just like working one-on-one with me every day. Mm-hmm. I know, but something to think about. Hmm. Something to think about. And then if, yeah, if you don't want to, or you can't teach your kid at home, Mm-hmm. Then, then what? <laughs> then what? I guess we just right. embrace the goodness now, one day at a time, one day yeah, at a time. Exactly. That's so sweet. Yeah, I Macy. See. I feel with Macy, I'm not seeing a lot of academic progress with anyone, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. But <laughs> Mason, <laughs> but Mason is becoming more independent in other ways, and like she started only showering, and wants to just do everything by herself in the shower. So any help? Cool. She still needs a little bit of help. Washing your hair is such a fine motor skill. Yeah, and, I could see that for sure. Um, it's like we can go a few showers without helping, and then it's like, girlfriend, I got to help scrub this right. time. <laughs> right. <laughs> we got to get that stuff out of there. Yeah. Right. And then the only thing that she's needs help with is getting the temperature right because of the way our shower is. Yeah. Um, and I know there's a, there's things we can do about that. I feel like people are gonna be like, here's all these ideas. I, it's good. We're going to figure it out. And then this morning she's like, I'm making my own breakfast. I'm like, great, babe. And there's just so many steps to that, that yes, she can yeah. do. And Mason's big thing has always been, she doesn't want to try things. Yeah. So it's just fun for her to be like, I'm going to do it by myself, by myself, by myself, by myself. I get it, girl. Yeah. Right. That's so cool. Make I like that, that part. Yeah. How about you, Marissa? How you doing, girlfriend? We're doing good. I feel like, um, what do I feel like? I'm just so used to, I'm used to having my kids home. That's done and done, but I'm used to being able to go everywhere and anywhere. So I'm ready for that to be done. I want (laughs) everything to open back up. Um, I found my kiddos are fine. They like miss their friends and they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yada, yada. But they also aren't like, they're not teenagers. I feel like it could be so much harder for older kids. My kids yeah. are still young, so they're kind of used to just doing the family home thing plus going places is and the going places is 
part that they're missing. They're like, oh, are we going to go somewhere every time? Because I've decided to get dressed every day. Mm-hmm. We're just doing business. Good usual. for you, girl. So, mm-hmm. and I make them get dressed. I'm like, okay, you guys got to get dressed because we're going to do school. And even though that's at our table, but that's just kind of been like our shift. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still ask every time we get dressed, are we going somewhere? They're mm-hmm. like, so like, oh, please mom, let us mm-hmm. out, you know? Um, so they, I feel like they're doing good. And I feel like I'm like, oh no, I need people. I need yeah. my friends now. Mm-hmm. Like I need people. I need you to have a babysitter. All right. <laughs> this is <laughs> what I need. I need to have my friends and I need someone else to help me watch my kids. Where are the helpers? Where are my helpers? <laughs> I need some freaking helpers. <laughs> I want a helper. Someone posted a meme that I thought was hilarious. Like, um, kind of like I, the janit, the janitorial staff is really lacking around here. Yes. <laughs> and I feel that hardcore. I'm like, wait, if I'm going to be, and I've always thought that since I've homeschooled, like, okay, I need a teacher's assistant. Yes. <laughs> and I need a janitor. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm missing real. those things a lot. And I think things are getting great because I keep being like, who are safe people to hang out with? Like, how serious are you being? And that's where I feel like there are those conversations happening. Yeah. I know that 100%. Yeah. We are trying to quarantine, but you also need your safe people and you need to, um, I don't know, human contact. It's, it's important. It's so important. Yeah. So yeah. I it's okay if people are. Yeah. I broke the rules last week because one of my best friends here, we went to the beach. So our beaches have been open. And I feel like out here, because it's not, I know it's been pretty rough in Southern California. Um, but like, because it's not very warm or nice, like there's not, <laughs> we don't worry about beaches being overcrowded. Um, oh, totally. But, <laughs> but I was at the beach with my kids and one of my best friends was at the beach as well. And we hadn't planned it. And she lost her son. Like <gasps> he was missing for like 20 minutes. Stop and it. I, 20 like, we, minutes? Yes. <gasps> and we, and he's Ace's age. He's, he's, oh fine. my gosh. I have chills. I'm and like, we kind of came up stressed. 10 minutes into the process of him being missing. And so we were spread out looking for him. And when she finally found him, I was like, come here. You know, like yes. there's just times that you got to hug. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. 100%. So, there's, yeah, it, yeah, it is, it does feel like it's been so long. Like even just hugging her, I was like, oh, you're like, I need this more than I'm not letting go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyone who does not support that is a cold hearted. Right. So <laughs> 20 minutes is like, wow. yeah, it was pretty scary. Where was he? How did they find he him? Was, he was like, they, they were set up by a log and he had been off playing with his siblings. And then his sister had been like, stay right here while I go do this thing. No, she totally. thing. <laughs> and then she couldn't find him. And he was like by another log, oh. you know, further mm-hmm. down the beach that looked like the log where his family was camped. So oh my they, gosh. He, thankfully he had stayed put and not... My heart is pumping right now because that's the losing a kiddo. Like uh, it's just too uh, much. You know, going out and about. Yeah, in a giant beach. In a giant beach. Yeah. So you think drowning? You think all the things? Yes. Yes. So speaking of motherhood, motherhood, (laughs) mother. Oh my gosh, that is a lot. That's a lot. Um. Mother's Day is coming up. So we have, and people are going to have their feelings about this and that's fine. 
we have re-entered our family, my parents into our social life Yeah. in, in little bits. So mm-hmm. our rules are you, as long as you follow the same rules that we are following, then we can be in each other's lives again. Yeah. If you're not, you're out. Like if right. you have that person over who is not within our social space and same here, then you're out. So I'm thinking for Mother's Day and again, everything with this coronavirus, everything changes day to day. So who knows, but I'm thinking we will be with my mother in person. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the plan. And then I don't know what else is going to happen or, (laughs) yeah. but I think I'm going to see my, and they live, they just live like 25 minutes from us. Right. Um, but I haven't hugged my parents yet, but I feel (laughs) like it's time. I don't know. Maybe my mother's (laughs) a gift to myself will be a hug. (laughs) I know. I know. I feel like my mom will come over and I feel like that's totally safe. Wash your hands and I don't know. I feel like the places that are scarier are the restaurants are, and I, and I feel sad saying this, but like are the really huge public places, you know, malls, a playground, right? We haven't been in a playground. (laughs) That's something Sunny's missing a lot. Playground, like just big gatherings. That's going to be such a trip when this whole thing is lifted to go into a public gathering yeah. and be like, kids do not cough or sneeze. People are going to think you're sick. Like, or touch I anything. Feel, like, or <laughs> touch anything. Yeah. Or if that person coughs or sneeze, I'm going to say like you, but am I going to also think you have coronavirus right. and the flu? Like, don't you think we're just going to have to like all mm-hmm. of a sudden, like let down some walls and like, yeah. Well, and maybe it will never, I mean, the way that I've heard people, experts talk about it until fall of 2021, when there is a, um, a, what's it called? Why can't I think of the word? Vaccine. Vaccine. Thank you. Um, like things will never be completely open. So it may be that we don't have malls for a while or like we're gathering. I can't even believe that. Yeah. Maybe we're gathering in our small family units, but we're not doing, you know, time at the playground. Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. We're definitely not going to Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, What is it? Nor did I beforehand. (laughs) (laughs) I am indoor plastic playgrounds. (laughs) Gross. Um, I've, I'm so sad about Disneyland. I think people who oh, follow, follow our family. Yeah. We have annual passes and I'm, I mean, we go to Disneyland twice a month at a minimum. And I'm I'm thinking, I don't know that my children will ever get to go to Disneyland again. That's how it feels. I think um, that yes. what feels tricky for, for me is the kids. Cause like you're saying, like me having my parents over immersed, you having your mom over, there's a lot we can control. We can control right. the fact that, that they are being as honest as we know about where right. they've been right? and they can wash their hands and we can sanitize and we can not kiss each other on the lips, you know, like totally. all those things are avoidable, right. but in a public space, you have no control over any of that. No control. Yeah. And so, and, and I feel again, like Josh and I going to Disneyland, I can be hyper aware of anything I touch 100%. and all the things anywhere I go, I can be, and our kids can't. Right. And that feels... Yeah. I can't, I need to stop talking about it because it makes me so sad. I know, <laughs> it it, it I know. like makes me get so anxious because we don't, we just also don't know. And to, yeah. to feel um, certainties about uncertain futures. Yeah. I just want to have play dates again. And I know. Um, that's the part that's been hard is just uh, doing life with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I want to feel comfortable doing that again. And 
Yeah. Totally. I know my, we were just having, my brothers and I were having a conversation about my mom wants to be able to visit my grandma who is 98 and my mom travels to Dallas to see her every month. And so now it's been three, four months since she's been able to see her mom. And yeah, when is the moment when it's safe for her to make that trip? When is it ever, you know, you can't say she can't go from 98 to 99, you know, and not for the next year and not see her. So there's just so, I mean, so many families are dealing with that question. Yeah, It's just, how do we re-enter and what does it look like? And how do we care for each other? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Mother's Day, um, we know it's coming and it is different this year for basically the entire world because (laughs) of some people will be with their mothers. Some won't. I mean, some people have lost their mothers due to coronavirus. And Mm. I think that, um, as a nation, as a world, there's this sense of grief. Micah, you maybe already said this, or you're going to say this, (laughs) (laughs) um, grief. And this sense of heavy loss, mm-hmm. yeah. everything's off a little bit and not in a good way yeah. as we're going into cel- a day that is usually a day of celebration. And I know for me, um, Mother's Day was, was for so much of my life, really just a day of celebration. Yeah. And then I tried to get pregnant. Hmm. And then it was years of this day is so hard and hurtful. Um, and then adopting... And so now it's heavy Mm. in a different way because I have these women who are my kids' birth mothers who I have a deep love for that Mm. I think about. So Mother's Day, since since starting with infertility, Mother's Day has always felt a both and for me. Mm. Um, It's been a day that I feel is a a fun day to celebrate and a really heavy day at the same time. Mm. You know? Yeah. What do you guys think? Where are you at with that? I I grew up with the you know, going to church on Mother's Day mm-hmm. and the like very old school, like 80s, the pastor making all the moms stand up. Yes. And I, it, yeah, it never occurred to me until I was um, trying like a mother or, you know, trying to have a baby, how painful that mm-hmm. experience was probably for so many women. Mm-hmm. Um, just how the way that Mother's Day is there's just an assumption that it's a happy day. Mm-hmm. And and that's still the case. I mean, you just look at Instagram on Mother's Day and it's going to be a whole lot of um, moms posting about with little pictures that their kids drew for them. Mm-hmm. And um, I think for women who are grieving on Mother's Day, it's really hard to get away from it. Mm-hmm. Especially with Instagram, it is probably hard to get away yeah. from it. You yeah. know, um, for Mother's Day, what if I always thought I've, yeah, I always thought of church um, and just celebrating my mom. And then when I became a mom um, with Sunflower being um, adopted and our first child, I remember being so excited. And then also same as you, Heather, thinking of her birth mom. And um, the day before Mother's Day is National Birth Mother's Day, where um moms who have given up their kids for adoption can be honored. And, um, I do, I just, I would love to sit down. I would love to sit down and talk to Sunny's mom, but, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, we have a closed adoption. So we're expecting that, but I would love to 
be able to sit down with a birth mother who's given up their child for adoption and just Mm -hmm. hear how they feel on that day. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm really excited that we're talking with Katie Jamison um, about this topic. Have we introduced the topic yet? No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Katie's going to be on to talk about grief and um, because she, she has lost a child. So not as a birth mom perspective, but um, having lost her child, um, she will be talking to us about grief on Mother's Day. And um, I think that you should talk to Augie's birth momers because I would like to, but oh, it always feels like I would love not appropriate. To. But I think like she a would one-on-one. love to talk about it. I bet she would. Mm-hmm. And I like her a lot. Um, and she might be listening to this and maybe she's like, no, please stop saying that. But I, <laughs> <laughs> um, it always feels like with birth mom stuff, I've, I've said it's not, it's just such a unique relationship in yeah. that she's not my friend right? and she's not my family. Right. It's like something different yes. and equally as important, you know? Yeah. So I'm not going to like sit down and have a girlfriend talk with her. Right. And then I'm also not going to be like, come to Christmas. Right. But both things are, there's a place somehow. Right. And then also um, with recognizing birth moms, I have, I'm very vocal about my love towards birth mothers and our kids, birth mothers in particular. And, and I have a friend who's adopted and she was, um, last year, it was so good to hear this from her. She said, I hear you talk about how much you love your kids, birth moms. Mm -hmm. And I can't get on board with that because Mm -hmm. of the actions that my son's birth mother has taken and continues to take. She said, I actually have a very deep negative feeling towards her Mm -hmm. and I don't eat. And I, I like, what are your thoughts on that? And it was this moment of like, oh yeah, you're actually allowed to feel that too. You know, like she's angry. It's like, I'm so angry at everything she has done and did while he was, while she was pregnant. Um, that is set, that set him up to have a harder life. Like I don't have love for her like that. And I think I always just feel like, well, I'm thinking about my kid, my adopted kid. It is, it doesn't matter. I believe, and this is just from my experience with talking to adoptees, adult adoptees, right? Like for this particular person, for her son, when he, as he gets older and when he's an adult, it doesn't matter who his birth mom is and the actions and decisions she's made. He is going to want to love her. Mm -hmm. And so how do you hold your child? Well, you know, like, and, and, and create, not create, but foster a relationship that or even an idea of a person that mm-hmm. is not going to feel as burdensome to your child, but there's still some honesty. Right. So I just, it's this motherhood gig. There's just a lot to hold. And yeah, everyone's so at it. much to hold. And I feel like it not, I was going to say case by case, but that feels a little bit even insensitive. I feel like it's person to person, but to be able to teach non-resentment, I, I don't know. I would just mm. feel sad for your friend. Yeah. Obviously, feel what you want to feel. You are always allowed to feel what you want to feel, but that's also carrying, um, anger is hard. Yeah. You know, and that's, yeah, that's it. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like this is a good transition into talking about, um, moms who are going through grief Mm -hmm. or caring for your, for someone who's going through grief, because it is like just what you were talking about, Heather, it's so messy. Mm-hmm. It's really uncomfortable and you don't always know what to do. And in, in the same sort of like, you know, it is each experience. It sounds like as you're talking about these 
like each adoption, it's a different experience with a different birth mother. It's a different story that your child has come into your life with. And I feel like grief is that way too. Mm. And entering into it with a friend who is going through it, or if you are going through grief, um, we, I think this interview that we have with Katie is so profound just because she's able to kind of put that into words, like Mm -hmm. what she needed in losing her child and how it wasn't tidy mm-hmm. and what she was given wasn't tidy, but it was also good. Mm. And yeah, I think exactly. it's important to be able to see it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's not like a direct path. Definitely. Yeah. So let's get, let's get right to it. We are very excited and honored to get to bring in our guest for this episode. Her name is Katie Jamison and I'm I'm just going to get straight into the conversation with her and we're going to let you know about a question we got from a listener. Um, but let's just bring her on. So Katie, hi. hi. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. We I'm so happy to be here. So we all have met at a conference last year, a year ago. And um, it's so I love, there's so many mamas I follow on Instagram. And as we know, so many of our Instagram handles are not our actual names. So I remember like, <laughs> yeah. I know you. And I think I said to you, have we met? And then it all came to me like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm very good friends with your children on Instagram. I don't know if you realize this. <laughs> it was so fun to meet you in real life. So tell our listeners a little bit about where you are right now and about your family. Absolutely. Um, I live in Vancouver, BC, up in Canada. Um, and my husband and I, uh, we own two restaurants which we've had to close down since uh, all of COVID has started happening. Uh, And we are at home with uh, our three kids. I have four-year-old twins, Wally and Kenzie. And Kenzie is our connection. Kenzie has Down syndrome, my little little superstar. And then I have a two-year-old boy named Woodford. Um, And I also have um, my first son, Lachlan. He would be six this year. He passed away when he was a baby. He was our first introduction into parenthood. Okay. Amazing. And so that was actually what we wanted to talk about today because with this mother's day episode, we had reached out to our followers and they asked a bunch of questions and someone reached out and said, Hey, how do we, how do we celebrate mother's day for moms who have lost a child? And, um, you have really dedicated so much of your work outside of running your, your restaurants to teaching people how to grieve well and talking about grief and being so transparent with your story. So will you tell us about your firstborn and that story? I would love to. I, the first thing I would always say is that a, a bereaved parent is so happy to talk about their child um, mm. that passed away because there, there are very limited opportunities in everyday conversation to talk about somebody who's passed away. Um, so thank you for having me on here and, and asking that question. Um, my son, Lachlan, um, was the best way to describe it was he was very sick. Um, we went through our pregnancy not knowing that anything was wrong. Um, it was a totally normal pregnancy, but I did have a lot of pain. Um, but I sort of chalked it up to being a first time pregnant mama and not really knowing what pregnancy felt like. And then at 34 weeks, the pain became really crippling and I couldn't walk anymore. And we went into the hospital and within a few hours, um, the doctors were just absolutely 
flabbergasted. I don't have a better word um, at the state of everything that was going on. Um, he uh, had high drops inside of me, um, which led to me uh, having a very severe intake of uh, fluid. So I was very, very large for 34 weeks. Um, and within a 24 hour period of being in the hospital, we found out um, that his situation was life threatening and they decided to deliver him right at 34 and a half weeks. Um, and no diagnosis, not no diagnosis was made, um, until he was three weeks old because the condition was just so rare. We actually found out that, um, he was one of three babies in the world to have this condition, which is why there's no, uh, information about it. Um, if you ask me what it was, I, I honestly can't even pronounce the name. Um, but he did have a genetic mutation, uh, of one of his genes and it started when he, was in the earliest days of conception. So it affected, you know, a very large amount of his cellular makeup. Um, and it made it so that life was not compatible for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to make a really hard decision um, whether to continue care, um, which was obviously very painful for him and very painful for us. And uh, we made the decision to end life support and end uh, his days in a hospice for children instead of in the NICU. And that was honestly the best decision we ever made to change locations. The hospice that we went to saved the way that we viewed the situation years years from now. So the, the NICU is such a wonderful place and they provide such amazing support, um, but a hospice for children is just the most gentle, loving way that you can let go of a child. And so we were really fortunate that we had that support. How old is he when you moved him from the NICU to hospice? He was 22 days old. And how long was he in hospice care? One day. One day. Wow. Sweet little Lachlan. Yeah. Lachlan, I love his name so. Isn't it the best name? It's, it's the best name. It's beautiful. Did you did you get the name Lachlan from family or did we you didn't. come to it? It's the funniest story. We could not decide on a name. Um, and it's our first. It was our first baby. So you know, naming your first baby is like it's a really big deal. Yeah. Um, and I was about maybe like thirty weeks along, and mail got delivered to our house. To the wrong address and it was addressed to someone named Lachlan. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's amazing. I saw the name and I was like, that's it. That's his name. Um, so that's just like the weirdest way to name your kid, but that's how it happened. Oh, it's the <laughs> <Love> best. It. <laughs> From random stranger mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so good. Katie, would you talk to us a little bit about what you feel like people did right during during that season um, that he was in the NICU and then hospice, and also in this the the process of your grief afterward. What were some of the the ways that people cared for you well? There, um, that's a that's a such a great question. Um, I think the most confusing thing about grief um, is that the person who's trying to do the supporting has absolutely no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really hard realization for the person who is grieving. That was hard for me to realize that my family had no idea how to support me or what to do. They really wanted to. They really wanted to be there for me. Um, 
but it's such a heavy, heavy loss Mm -hmm. that people are afraid of doing the wrong thing. So they don't do anything at all. Mm -hmm. So the biggest, um, I guess I could say mistake that people made was thinking that staying away and giving us space, um, was the answer. It's very, it's a very loaded and convoluted question because I did need people to check in with me. I didn't want to answer them. Mm. I wanted people to call and text me and leave a message so that I could hear it. And then I wanted to put my phone down and not have to talk to them. Mm -hmm. So that's a really hard thing to understand when you're trying to support someone going through grief is, you know, saying, you know, I'm checking in, I'm checking in and I'm just not hearing back from them. I'm going to give them some space. But what actually is happening is that person is silently absorbing everything that is being given to them and building themselves up. Um, so it took, it took me a long time, um, to get to the place where I could say what I needed. I would say it probably took me five years and Mm -hmm. this just marked a few days ago, just marked, um, the sixth anniversary of him passing away. Mm -hmm. So I would say only in the last year have I gotten better at saying what I need. Um, but some things that people did do for me that was really great was they showed up for me months and years later. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I mean, everybody knows there's no timeline to grief. It gets said all the time. There's no timeline to grief. Um, but when it's not something that you're living with daily, that sort of evolution of thought doesn't really come into play because you're not feeling it and you're not facing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for someone to think, you know, Katie lost her kid six years ago. Um, and I bet Mother's Day is probably really hard for her, even though she has three kids here that are making homemade cards for her. Um, so I do have friends that continue to check in with me and, you know, will text me or call me and they just say his name. They say, I'm thinking of Lachlan. I know you miss Lachlan. I know you have other kids here with you, but I know you're thinking of Lachlan. Hearing his name said by other people is such a gift. It's such a gift. I really love this. Thank you, Katie. Yeah. What, yeah. What are some things that we, so the listener who had this question, how, how do we celebrate mother's day for, for people who have lost a child? What's your best advice? Um, I have a, I have a couple things I could say. Um, I think taking the time to recognize that on a really joyful day, there are people who feel tremendous loss. Don't be sorry. It took me some really um, deep digging to realize that. Sorry. (laughs) Don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. Unless you want Um, to be sorry. (laughs) 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 Be what you want. Okay. Um, A lot of the work that I have done uh, for myself is recognizing that I went through a lot of my life um, sort of blurring out the edges of, of hardship for others. Mm-hmm. Um, and just knowing that on very hard days, or sorry, on very joyful days, there are people experience tremendous grief. Mm-hmm. I think just that in itself is such an amazing recognition. So just to, mm-hmm. for an example, Christmas, um, I really make a point at Christmas time to reach out to people who I know have experienced loss because I know that those days are really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so on Mother's Day, something that someone could do is that, you know, taking five minutes away from your own, you know, 
celebration that you're having with your kids. Maybe you're having brunch or you're just out on a bike ride and you're having a really nice day. Just take five minutes and just text or call your friend and just be like, I recognize that this is a really hard day for you and I'm thinking of you. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, another thing that I always tell my friends and I'm just like, just let the awkward happen. Mm-hmm. It's so awkward. It's so hard to support someone going through grief. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of the time the person receiving the support doesn't do it graciously. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody, I, I, d- I did not accept support graciously for years. I was very angry. Um, anytime somebody said something, I thought it was the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, perpetuates this idea that it's better to say nothing at all, mm-hmm. but it's really not because years later I see what people were trying to do for me. Um, and I just, I really encourage people to just let the awkwardness happen. It doesn't feel good to be in grief. It doesn't feel good to support somebody in grief, but both are just so worthy of trying. Yeah. What, uh, do you, what do you say to moms in your position who are experiencing Mother's Day coming up and having lost a child? Um, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. Moms, I'm, I'm just very aware that moms are in so many different stages of grieving. Um, I think because I was in, you know, really deep, acute grief for a very long time. Um, I, I'm very aware that the way that, that I cope and the way that I manage grief on a day to day basis isn't capable for somebody who lost their child six months ago, two years ago. Um, when I, I, I do chat with a lot of women um, over Instagram, I have a very open conversation uh, with anybody who's going through loss um, because I feel like I can offer a very realistic mm-hmm. um, point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, the, the one thing that I do tell a lot of moms is to just keep it so simple. Mm-hmm. Keep Mother's Day so simple for yourself. It, it doesn't need to be... Um, you don't have to have every minute accounted for. It doesn't need to be a big grand gesture. I have really found over the years that just leaving space for myself to feel very, very sad somewhere in the day is so important. I usually take the morning. Um, I ask my husband to take the kids and I'll take 45 minutes to an hour in the morning to literally sob my eyes out. Mm-hmm. And I need to do that. I need to release that emotion and let it go so that I can carry on with the rest of my day. And if I don't do that, it ends up, you know, I feel very anxious or I feel very upset and I don't know why you can't place the feeling of why you're so angry, but it's just that you need to give your space. You need to give yourself the space to feel very, very sad. Yeah. I have a question. Um, with like, motherhood and Mocklin being your first baby and, um, motherhood's hard. (laughs) And I feel like there are days that I kind of, I fail and I'm not my best. And, um, there's been moments in my life where I've experienced heavy grief and I feel like somehow on my bad mom days, or I don't, there's just this cycle of grief. And then sometimes it brings me back to that loss have you found that's happened with you? And do you think other mothers experience that where it's like, okay, I've I've lost a child. And then anytime in life, sometimes during this motherhood season, or even just in life in general, 
where you feel like that kind of, it cycles back to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say that happens weekly, yeah. <laughs> right? I kind of yeah, it happens. It happens a lot. And I think, um, going back to the idea that, um, they're really, there's no timeline for it. Right. Um, and there, and, and I do think that, um, when you're really close to a loss, when it's happened recently, mm-hmm. you're so sad and, and you're, you're feeling very suffocated by your emotions that you're just desperate for it to move on. You're just desperate to move on with your journey so that when you do get to a place where you're feeling like you can breathe again and that everything's okay, uh, you know, you're, you're sad some days, but you know, you're coping and then that heavy loss comes back for whatever reason, there's, there's a trigger or there's a, a song you hear, or there mm-hmm. is just a moment that brings it all back. And it feels just like a punch to the gut because it's unfamiliar. The deepness of that is very unfamiliar after time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that women get surprised when something like that happens and they think I've done all this work. What, what mm-hmm. am I doing back here again? And not realizing that that cycle is actually part of the process. There is a never ending timeline to it. And it can feel really heavy to know that there's going to be really hard days ahead again. But I think what's important is that as the years go by and as those heavy days cycle back, that you've done a lot of growing and you've done a lot of learning and you've discovered what coping mechanisms work and what don't. And you can lean into the things that work for you versus at the beginning, you didn't have any of those tactics. Yeah. How did that journey um, of, or how did losing um, Lachlan effect or I don't know how to say it, but moving forward when you were, okay, we lost Lachlan, but we're still ready to continue having another child. Like, can you tell me that journey? And yeah, absolutely. I, um, I think because the loss of Lachlan was so sudden and unexplained to us, um, I immediately wanted to have more kids. There, there wasn't even a moment in between, uh, where the thought of not continuing our family happened. And that's a tricky topic. Um, cause I know there are a lot of women, um, that can't imagine carrying on with their family. Mm-hmm. And then there are a lot of women who feel really guilty for having the thought that they want to try and get pregnant right away again, because they think it's not honoring the child that they lost. Um, we, we tried really hard to get pregnant and we actually, um, we did get pregnant the first time we tried with Lachlan. Like that was just, that was just, uh, I don't know how that happened. Um, and he ended up being incredibly sick and then we couldn't conceive for a year afterwards. Mm. So I had a really hard time not being able, not being able to continue our family in the way that I wanted, uh, for so long after, I know that a lot of people will say one year isn't, isn't a long time, but when you're grieving the loss, it, it felt like a very, very long time. Um, and when we were, when we discovered we were pregnant again and that it was with twins, it just felt like, I, I don't know. It, it felt like we were just being given the most incredible gift. It felt like we were getting to start over again, almost. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't want to, I try to be very open with all of the way that I feel with my grief because 
I know that there are women who feel these emotions, but don't want to say them out loud. Um, right. They don't want to say that it felt like a second chance because they don't want to diminish the loss that they had. But truly it does. It does feel like you get to start again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then when we found out that our daughter had, was diagnosed with Down syndrome, um, that turned into a really heavy grieving process for us again. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was really, I was really angry with the universe. Mm-hmm. I thought that I deserved everything to be absolutely perfect. I deserved to have a completely uncomplicated pregnancy. Um, and, and it did take about half of my pregnancy to sort of get my mind right and realize that I was getting a perfect pregnancy and I was getting mm-hmm. an absolutely perfect family so that when I met her and I met Wally, her twin, um, it just, it just felt amazing. Mm-hmm. I love your twins. I love all your kids. <laughs> oh my I gosh. Found Kenzie's adorable. Blondies, I think. They're very blonde. <laughs> so I just precious. always think they're very similar. They yeah. are very, Fun. they're very bossy. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, in your journey through grief, you have created this, uh, a, a business that feels it's more important or it's bigger <laughs> than a business. Um, I mean, you've really been so vulnerable and you've made yourself a resource for people. Mm. And I'm assuming a part of that was that you didn't have that resource that you felt yes. in your grief. And yes. so, um, and then you very recently have come out with grief pins and grief cards. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, I, um, I've spent a lot of years um, talking about grief and advocating for people who have gone through loss. And last year I sort of sat down and thought, you know, what am I, what am I doing with this besides offering words, which I know can be a lot. Um, But I, I really wondered what I could do. What, what could I create um, to give to people that are going through loss, something tangible that they could hold. And I am, I, I'm a photographer by trade. And so creativity is something that is very healing for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I took my creativity and I designed a line of pins um, and I call them grieving pins that say, you know, different sort of simple, thoughtful phrases um, that you can wear. And it's just a way that I found could let people know that I was having a bad day or I was on a journey that they might not understand um, because there are so many instances in life where you meet somebody in the grocery store and they're really cranky or Mm -hmm. you're driving down the road and somebody seems like they're such a jerk. Mm -hmm. And you know, what's really happening is that person is on a really awful journey and they're probably having a really bad day. Mm -hmm. Um, And they might be dealing with something that you just don't know about. I wanted to give people a way to, also offer a gift to somebody who's mm-hmm. grieving. I, I know that um, people have absolutely no idea what to do or what to give people who have gone through loss. A bouquet of flowers just seems right um, and they just don't last. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to give somebody something that they could actually hand over to a loved one that says maybe the right thing, maybe the thing that somebody with a broken heart wants to hear that they couldn't have come up with themselves. Mm -hmm. Are they all geared towards moms or just towards any? Um, you know what I start, I started with, um, with the idea that they were geared towards moms. 
Uh, and it really turned out that they're for anybody. Um, I've had some people reach out to me and say um, that they got one for their kid um, when they were going, when the mom and dad were going through divorce. Mm. Uh, one of the pins spoke to their, you know, yeah. their kids sort of deal with and be able to talk about emotions. Um, you know, some people are getting them, um, when they're, this seems silly to say, but when their pets pass away, yeah, because it's sad, it's sad. Yeah. Um, I have had some people reach out, uh, who have had failed adoptions, mm-hmm. um, who just don't know how to say that they need to be recognized as a mother that's lost something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually had one woman, um, buy several of them for, um, some mothers whose adoption, sorry, adoptions fell through, mm-hmm. um, just as a way of acknowledging that they are a mom um, and that it's something that they can wear when they're having a really bad day. Mm-hmm. The designs are gorgeous. You're very talented, and mm-hmm. I, I think it's something that um, I, this might sound really um, insensitive, but I feel like it's something to have on hand. Like everyone should buy these cards and have them on hand, you know, and then it's like, it's there at the ready. I I don't know that. I guess everyone's saying that didn't sound. I don't think that's insensitive because it's just, it's the reality that people you love are going to face grief. And we, we need to be ready to be a friend. And I think I, and that's sort of the idea behind the cards. Um, I, I mean, yes, you know, if, if you're facing, uh, if, if you're facing a friend who's going through grief, obviously, yes, please get them this card, but also have them on hand so that when something really terrible happens, you just, you have something mm-hmm. that you can pass over, just like a little token of love that you can give to somebody. Yeah. Because loss is unexpected. Right. Yeah. yeah. Plan for it. Yeah. Um, I'm so and, appreciative. Oh, go ahead, Micah. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it's appropriate too in this moment of the the pandemic because right. loss, I mean, we are grieving as a, as a, not just as a country, but as a world. And there's something to like that shared experience of grief that yeah. um, I think is, it's easy to not take the time to sit with it. Mm-hmm. Um, in the midst of like quarantine life and being stuck with your kids inside and all of that. But I think it's really important to make space for that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so thankful for you, Katie, and for the work that you do here. Cause it's not, it's not an easy thing that you're doing. And um, I am really grateful for the actual tangible product too. I'm, I can think of every time that I've been faced with someone else's grief and that you were talking about that awkwardness mm-hmm. and that like, that feeling of, I just, this isn't even my grief, but selfishly, I want out, like I want out of this and I don't know, cause I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to, right. how to do anything here. And then going to silence, but feeling burdened, you know, like all of that. And it's such a wild idea that someone is going through something so tragic. And as someone who loves them, that we all of a sudden have these needs to, yeah. to be needed or like to help or to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, and I like how you talked about that's all just kind of the process, you know, but to have those tools from someone, it feels invaluable. So thank you. Thanks for what you're putting into the world. And thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing this story in such a timely time. Can you let our listeners know where else they can learn about you? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Katie underscore underscore Jameson. 
Katie Jameson was taken, guys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just got to go with the underscores in there. Yeah, um, and then you can find all of my pins and cards and a lot of um, my writing on grief. I do, I do do a lot of writing and journaling about grief. And you can find that on my blog, which is um, katiejameson.ca. And you have a newsletter that I people do. can sign up for and you yeah. send out beautiful um, quotes. I do. And, I do. Yeah. I try to give. Uh, so on Mother's Day, people will be getting um, a sort of like a quote and a really sort of nice print that they can either just copy the quote into a text and send it to a friend or they can download the print and send it somewhere. I really want to sort of shift my advocacy towards um, giving people who are supporting others in grief, giving them tangible ways to help. Um. Yeah. So Mother's Day this year is May 10th, May 10th, May 10th. but tell it. So, and this is airing May 5th, but the Sunday before Mother's Day, tell our listeners what that is. The Sunday before Mother's Day, May 3rd is bereaved Mother's Day. Um, and a lot of people probably don't even know that this day exists. Um, and I'm so happy that you don't, that's a very fortunate event in your life. Um, but there are a lot of women in the world, uh, who would like to be seen on this day, um, and so I just, I really hope that people recognize that May 3rd is a day for moms who have lost a child. And for us listening, because people are hearing this after the fact, do you feel like it's just never too late? Like get the card and it recognize never it. It is anytime. literally yeah. it's never too late. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully everyone will do in their own way, reach out to people who are ex- experiences kind of grief, but then you can also go to katiejameson.ca and buy these cards and send them even if they're coming after Absolutely. Mother's Day. Never tell you. All right, Katie, we're going to let you go. Um, thank you again for sharing your story and taking time to be with us. We appreciate thank you it so more, much than, for having me. more than we can know. And friends, we're going to be right back. Stay tuned for a word from our sponsor and an interview with our family of the week. Today's episode is sponsored by Jonas Paul Eyewear. Stylish kids' glasses with an impact. Mercedes, I know you know about style and your babies are the coolest. You know it. So tell us how cute these glasses are. Okay, listen. It's so hard to find on-trend glasses for kids, and these are the cutest glasses I've seen. Yes. And have you ever used a home try-on kit for glasses? No, but it sounds super fun, and I feel like your kids get to play dress-up. We have Jonas Paul glasses, and this past year, Brooksy, my eight-year-old, needed glasses, so we got a home try-on kit from Jonas Paul. Brooksy loves looking good. He actually legit wore a bow tie all on his own for picture day. Having a kit at home was perfect for him. They sent us seven frames and he had a week to walk around in them and make his own opinion. And it was really nice to not have that quick, we have 10 minutes in a store and there's fluorescent lights and we need to decide feeling. When he picked his frame, we put our order in online and we shipped the box of trial glasses back with the free shipping label provided. Super easy. So you have Jonas Paul glasses at your house and you know what? So does Heather. Yeah, that's right. Mason has them. She's worn Jonas Paul glasses for a couple of years now. We all know that getting glasses to fit on our kids with Down syndrome can be difficult. There's a flatter nose bridge that our kids have 
and lower set ears, and that can make getting glasses to fit a challenge. Here's the thing about Jonas Paul. Their nose pads are designed specifically for children's noses. They also have these unique adjustable tips that you can bend for a custom fit. So you can make it fit to your child's perfect little face. These glasses are so affordable, half the price of most of the children's glasses out there. Plus, here's the best part, every frame sold prevents childhood blindness in the developing world. It's so great. You know that Jonas Paul now sells glasses for teenagers and our kids are growing up. They're growing up fast and we are gonna need those teenager sizes before we know it. For first time customers, Jonas Paul is offering 15% off. Use the promo code THELUCKYFEW at checkout. Visit their website, jonaspauleyewear.com to learn more. Hey friends, Micah here. Now I know you know, it is no small feat to pull this podcast off every week. And we are always looking for support from sponsors. And we've gotten to a point where we would love to include you, our listeners as well. So we're starting something new around here. It's called Patreon. And we have some tiers where you could choose to join us by supporting us financially in whatever way makes the most sense for you. So from $10 to $100 a month, you could be part of the Lucky Few podcast and make it happen every week along with us. We have some fun perks. We have some fun opportunities coming for those of you who decide you want to jump on this boat. And we can't wait to share more with you. If you are interested at all, go to our website, theluckyfewpodcast.com, click on Patreon, and check out how you can support us. Continue to be narrative shifters and shouters of worth in this Down Syndrome space. Thanks, friends. This is Victoria Gonzalez. Um, my Instagram handle is VG210, and that's V-E-E-G-E-E-210. I live in Texas with my wonderful family, my husband and my two girls, uh, my husband Daniel, and I have a older daughter, Elena, that's two, and my youngest, Daniela, is eight months, and she also happens to have Down syndrome. I just wanted to say what a joy Daniela has been and what what a blessing she's been to our family. In just the short amount of time that she's been here, she has taught us so much about ourselves, about our family. She has taught us to slow down, to enjoy life more, and she's taught us to just enjoy the simple things. You know, we found out about Daniela's diagnosis prenatally. And while it did take us some time to get adjusted to the news, I'm so thankful for who Daniela is and what she has brought to our family. Every day we see her working so hard. You know, right now we're doing virtual therapy with 
OT and speech, and and every day my little baby works so hard to to accomplish new things. And every time she hits those milestones, it's just a joy to see. And because I know just how hard she worked to get there, and she's just taught us so much about ourselves. She has brought my husband and I closer together through all of this, and she has opened us up to a world that we didn't even. We never even gave it a thought that this would be part of our world, and you know, we had our first daughter, and when we found out we were having a second daughter, we thought, okay, we've got this. And you know, while God had other plans, I'm so thankful for Daniela and what she brings to our family. She is a light, even though she's not talking yet. She can't say much to us. She says it all with her eyes and her her smile. She has the most beautiful smile. She can light up a room. She can melt your heart in a second when she gives you these big, beautiful brown eyes and just gives you the most radiant smile. And when I see her older sister interact with her, all I see there is love. You know, her older sister sees Daniela for just who she is and loves her just as she is. And it's the most amazing thing. And I just wanted to, and I'm just so thankful for that. And I just want to say thank you to you guys as well for everything that you've done and bringing us some comfort as a family and and helping us feel bonded and connected with so many other wonderful families out there that are lucky to be just like us. Thanks again, guys. All right, friends, this has been such an important episode. This feels very important. Mm -hmm. So I'm really grateful that you guys listened. Um, Happy Mother's Day to all of the moms, to the moms that are not yet mothers, to the grandmas who are parenting their grandkids, to the aunties, to the foster moms, to the birth moms, to the bereaved moms, to who who are we missing here? That, all the, that all the, the moms who want to be moms and they aren't yes. the moms who want to be moms. Yes. Yeah. The moms and to mamas who have a new downstream diagnosis and mm-hmm. this feels hard because it wasn't what you thought or thought your mother's day would right. be like and you're in that process. Yep. To all of you, we love you and yeah. we hold it with you. We hold mm-hmm. the space with you. 100%. Um, and whatever you need to do on mother's day, however you need to approach that day. You do you, friend. You do you. And as always, um, we love to hear from you. So it's great to hear from our family of the week. Share about their good news with their loved one who has Down syndrome. And we um, are so thankful for our sponsors and the products and businesses that support the podcast so we can keep going. So if that is something you'd like to be able to do and help us shout the worth of people with Down syndrome, you can email us at hello with luckyfewpodcast.com and we would love to partner with you um, and you can ask us any questions about sponsorship opportunities. Um, thanks to all our patrons. And if you would like to support this podcast monthly, and I think it's $10, $25, $100. Maybe we'll add another tier. I don't know. Maybe. But if you'd like to do that, head over to luckypodcast.com and check out our patrons page. Huge thank you, as always, to our editor and our producer, Andy Lara, our co-producer, Val Schleter, and our sponsor, and to all of you who shared the Lucky Few podcast with friends who have listened faithfully and who have cheered us on. 
Don't forget to subscribe, subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. And remember that you are dear listeners supporting a loved one with Down syndrome. You are a shouter of worth and a narrative shifter. So keep on keeping on. We are here cheering for you. You are very loved and adored and we will be together again next week. See you later. Bye. Bye everybody. Thanks for listening to the Lucky Few Podcasts. Remember to review our show on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all social media at the Lucky Few Pod. You can also support the show now via anchor.fm just by going to the website, scroll down to the bottom, and you can begin your support right now. Lastly, send us your good news by going to the luckyfewpodcast.com and sending us a message via text, voicemail, or email. See you next time.